What's up, Kale? thinking about getting munchies and coffee but it was raining and freezing and I just said fuck the munchies and coffee I don't know the munchies bad enough to deal with the rain <laughs> so I didn't win so then I went and uh, watched a bunch of, bunch of South Park um, watched uh, and a little bit of King of the Hill I think I'd maybe listen to one or two songs on the oldies forum, and then the uh, uh, housekeeper knocked on the door, and I knocked the plug off the floor, and I came back, and the plug was there, but the cord was gone. So plug for what? To charge my phone. Oh. Uh. So I couldn't probably find a cord stole to charge it. What? She probably stole it. Yeah. So anyway, so I go to see if I can do anything about it with the motel. <laughs> do anything. And I was getting frustrated. Went out and got munchies, and then somebody out there said they'd give me a cord. They get me a cord, and I got a cord, but this cord is way too short and it's uh, very you gotta have it in an exact perfect position to charge it and in this place I kinda gotta put it like in between the mattress or something to get it to actually charge <laughs> and it just seems like this is gonna be a real pain in the ass to charge it and you know just the nightmare doesn't end so that was uh, that was my day. <laughs> okay, uh, my day was pretty boring. Yeah, okay. Like I uh, didn't go to a meeting well, until the night time. You know, just watched Imperfects all day. Smoked a cigar. Mm, imperfects must be boring. <laughs> nah, it's a... Well, I told you about it, the mad scientist show. Okay, so the show's not boring, so your day must not have been boring either. If you kept yourself entertained. <laughs> Barely. Okay. It's just a binge-worthy so show. What is it? It's a binge-worthy show. Right on. <laughs> and then, uh, 
My sister didn't come over for the fucking paperwork that I need her to fill out, so that was nice. Nice of her. So hopefully she'll do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, my sister Tasha tried to get my mom and sister to do something shady, because, like, Section 8 won't let you rent to family. But she was like, oh, I'll just put my name and info down, and y'all can come and stay at one of my places. Mm-hmm. Which could get them a felony if they got caught. Okay. I mean, does she run the Section 8 buildings, or...? No, she owns apartments. Okay, well... I don't know. I mean, it, it all depends on how much she's charging you, and to me, and how much... Uh, you know, can I, in a way, she's willing to put herself in a fucked-up position to uh, help her family out, so that's... No, it's more she's willing to do shady shit in order to get what she wants when she wants. Okay, well, what does she want? What does she want? Like, in college, she did some shady shit and forged somebody's signature. Okay, but what does she want? Probably the money. Okay, so how much money is she going to be getting out of the deal? Uh, I think it's at least a thousand a month, something like that. Oh, okay, because the rent's that expensive. <laughs> well, it's just Section 8, like, they'll pay for a pretty good chunk of rent money. Okay, I mean, I don't know, you know, like, I'd be looking at it from your mom's side of the thing, which is, hey, if I can get a place to crash that's not that expensive, then what the fuck? You know, <laughs> Yeah, but there's that whole going to jail and all that good stuff possibility. Okay, but how possible do you think it is that... And who's going to have to go to jail? Like, you think your mom would have to go to jail? All parties would. Oh, okay. So my you mom think and sister are not to willing to... My mom and sister are not willing to risk it. Okay. It's okay. That's what happened. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So, uh, then I uh, went to the church meeting. We went over step 12. Ooh. And, uh, you know, that was my day. Right on. Oh, and let's see. Today... Maybe because of whatever I might have said on my podcast or something, I'm walking, I don't know, near leaving the motel, and some chick's like, if, if you fuck with my kid, I'm going to fuck you up. It's like, you hear me? It's like, okay, I'm not interested in, in messing with your kid. Although, whoever would mess with your kid, I hope they get away with it and walk the streets freely so that I won't be publicly shamed for... Anything I do. <laughs> or get fucked with for anything I do, or have to go to jail for anything I do. So. Power to you, Cal. So we'll see. Let's see what goes on.
Yeah. So, I don't know if I told you yesterday, but Kanye West got banned from Twitter. Okay. So I guess Kanye West doesn't have free speech. Uh, uh, because of uh, of uh, when it comes to Elon Musk running Twitter, as yeah. much as okay. Elon Musk is full of shit. I mean, Elon Musk is full of shit at the end of the day because he's talking about, oh, I won't let Alex Jones on because it's like he's got a fucking line that he, you know, he's just got a bunch of lines that he won't let people cross. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And if you cross that line, then your free speech is gone. Yeah, yeah, that is true. So that is where it's not really free speech, but okay, it's freer than it was, but it's still not really free speech. But okay, Twitter or uh, Kanye West wants to be kind of stupid, so I don't know. Not kind of. I mean, like, still have freedom I of think, speech, definitely. But like, I think Kanye West has some type of autism or something because. I actually saw clips on Mark Dice of what Kanye West actually said. And, you know, he's just like, I. you can't tell if he was joking or not joking okay. about liking Hitler. And then the, the article person was saying there was very little pushback from Alex Jones. It's like, that was bullshit. Alex Jones was just like, I'm in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Because, like, Kanye West is pulling out props, making fun of Ben Shapiro. Okay. And uh, he was, you know, he whipped out props. Like, it was like he was doing a carrot top impersonation. So it's like, I don't know how to take him saying that. It's like, I don't know if he was being serious or what. Okay, so if you take it in context, it might be when you're doing a comedy bit. He should stick to music. Cause well, like, I think that he's a good comedian, but he's trying to be funny. And I guess most people don't think it's funny. No, because like he was making fun of Benjamin Netanyahu, and then he pulled out a net, and then a Yahoo or a Yoohoo. Okay. Netanyahu. What the fuck? Yeah, just a bad, bad joke, but... You know, because it's the way he said, like, I love Hitler. It's like, I don't... I couldn't tell if he was, like, being sarcastic. Like, it was weird. Well, I mean, I think about it. Like, if if someone like really got something heavy from the podcast or something and wanted to go see this is a proof you're really racist and shit then I'm thinking at that point I'd go okay like I really want to see this shit happen to you dude and I probably would be like I could picture myself being like Kanye West I'm not sure like how I'd say it or whatever but it's like if someone wanted to accuse me of that shit, then I'd try to just like totally play the part and go, okay, well, if you're going to accuse me of this, then this is how I can reinvent myself and, you know, see if I can get in on that crowd and get a job doing that. You know, maybe I'll start, 
maybe I'll start uh, since uh, you're trying to get me kicked out of whatever I'm doing now. Maybe I can uh, get hired to work for the Daily Stormer or something, and and then I'll be able to uh, <coughs> you know, get some recognition in that world or something. If I if I'm getting uh, uh, shamed from the other worlds, <laughs> so who knows. <laughs> But I'd be doing it, you know, I'd be like being more of a joke, like, okay, you really think I'm this, right? Like, really, this is what I want to do. Like, you really want me to do this, you know? You really, you really think I'm going to do that? Okay. You really think I feel that way? Okay. And, like, Alex Jones was trying to save his bacon. He's like, come on, like, nobody likes Nazis. Come on. He's just like, no, I like Hitler. He did good things. I was like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) Well, you know, I like Osama bin Laden. He did some good things. He helped uh, make the world better for men while he was still alive. I mean, I love Osama bin Laden. I loved him. He was, you know, it sucks they wound up killing him. Of course, man, you know, terrorists kill random people and behead them. They well, yeah. should be protected you know species. I, really love? I love Vladimir Putin. Nobody's cooler than Vladimir Putin. You know, I, th- I think me and Dennis Rodman should go go over, hang out with Vladimir Putin for a little while. You know, he could play basketball with him. And, uh, we'll, we'll have a good time and... and, and uh, We'll hang out with Vladimir Putin and see if uh, if he can endorse our podcast and and, and maybe we can uh, get some serious money from the Russians and, and all that. <laughs> so what the hell? <laughs> They're still going on and on about. Oh yeah, welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order Show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. And I'm Kyle Chaos. Okay, we still in uh, uh, Google or, or yeah? Nah. Okay, so we're done with the Google. Oh shit! And it's Friday night, which means NPR might not have any good stories. But then let's see if they have some good stories. But since it's Friday night, I don't know if they're gonna have them. <laughs> and then they got some new drug that may cure sleeping sickness. Sleeping sickness. See, now, again, this is like one of the things, maybe, again, uh, people from the 60s were uh, watching this part of the newscast, because when I was tripping on acid back in 2001, uh, the voices were like telling me something really heavy about sleeping sickness, so... Yeah, let's, uh, what do they mean by sleeping sickness? <laughs> I mean, I don't really care about the drug, but I'm just wondering what they mean by sleeping sickness since this is the, uh, since it resonates to, since I heard this conversation before when I was on acid back in 2001 at the, uh, at this restaurant in, uh, in uh, Long Beach after uh, that acid that that chick put in my coffee kicked in. <laughs> I was waiting for him to bring whatever munchies I 
Worded. Recently? <laughs> what? Recently? No, this was back in 2001. Oh. But it's like I'm hearing the conversation of you reading me this story like back then. So, but not for, you know, it's like, it's not your voice. It was other voices saying this shit. So like repeating what you were saying and shit. So. Acid's a hell of a drug. Oh, hell yeah. But a sleeping sickness is an often fatal disease caused by a parasite where infected people become prone to sleeping all day and night as the disease progresses. Okay. So you can literally sleep to death. Or sleep your life away. So, okay. That's, uh... All right. But, uh... Cool. So I think the people from the 60s are here right now, or else they wouldn't have been repeating this to me how many days ago. So if this was the motel that it was uh, circa sometime between the uh, fall of 1967 and, and, uh, and uh, September of 69... Then, uh, I don't know, or maybe even in the early 70s, I don't know, like uh, circa 1971 or something, but I tend to think this could have been from fall of 67 through 69, or, or it was the time travel, maybe they're not from the 60s, maybe it's just their time travelers, and they told me my future before it happened. <laughs> That would be a trip. Yeah, it is a trip. Anyway, so let's see uh, see how much more things that I, I heard from that day uh, <laughs> or that time period we'll we'll hear about on this uh, on this podcast. Uh, what's the next uh, article? Because. <laughs> Dear Life Kit. What the fuck? Why is my fake you off? He's vibrating. With uh, Dear Life Kit, my folks guilt tripped me into spending the holidays with them. Who cares? See, so far, NPR doesn't have much. <laughs> Twitter's former safety chief warns Musk is moving fast and breaking things. Okay, that could be a good thing. So let's uh, let's find out what he's breaking and and why they think he's moving too fast. Because he won't let them censor as much as he used to, even though he's still censoring enough. <laughs> I don't think they think he's censoring enough. Well, no, according to NPR, you know, nothing's uh, 
censoring enough now because you know they're seeing this typical bullshit the Democrats want to see. Uh, it's a six-minute lesson. Okay, let's listen. To it. Twitter through years of crises and upheaval at the company. When Russians interfered in U.S. elections in 2016, Yoel Roth was there. So these would be accounts that were pretending to be Americans to try and influence certain parts of the conversation. Yoel Roth was there when still pushing that line. January 6, 2021. Uh, the president's Twitter account has been suspended. And was there when Elon Musk took over last month. There are a lot of really talented people at Twitter that I think. What? What line is this? <clears throat> the Russians interfering in the election in 2016. Okay. Well, it depends on how they say they interfered. They said that they created fake accounts saying they were Americans and somehow that was supposed to affect the election. Well, no, they might have created fake accounts that said they were American. Were, I think there they did prove that. I mean, the, the lie was uh, when they said that they got the uh, information about uh, the sabotaging of Bernie Sanders' campaign from the Russians. When 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 they said that uh, that uh, Julian Assange got that information from the Russians when he really got it from uh, Democratic Party insiders. I mean, that's well, the that was Hillary the Clinton. What? That was Hillary Clinton, like her hacked emails. Yeah. But that was... Uh, but the hacked emails were about her attempt at sabotaging... or the Democrats' attempt at sabotaging Bernie Sanders' campaign. But okay, yeah, that was a lie the Democrats made up. But them actually, the Russians actually using fake accounts. I don't. I think that there is a pretty heavy amount of truth to that one. Or that I think can take company in a lot of interesting new directions. The day after those two men held that Twitter Spaces chat with advertisers, Yoel Roth resigned. His title had been Head of Trust and Safety, and now he has agreed to talk to us. Yoel, thank you so much for coming back on All Things Considered. Thank you for having me. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since you left Twitter, so when you look back over your shoulder and see the company from the outside, what stands out to you most right now? Twitter appears to be in a moment of transition, and that seems obvious, perhaps, given there was just a $44 billion corporate transition. Right. But also, the, the identity and the soul of the company are in transition. Mm. If Twitter looks more or less the same as it did, that's not surprising. But I'd also say it's very much still too soon to tell whether we are in the Twitter of the future or what that future even might be. Some people, instead of the word transition, would use implosion or some other destructive term. That's not the term you chose. Why not? You know, I think large tech companies like Twitter have a massive amount of inertia. And I think that inertia can be both a force for good and a force for bad. At its worst, inertia can cause companies like Twitter to be too slow to respond to emergent threats and issues. But the flip side of inertia is it also makes it a lot harder for things to immediately collapse. 
And Twitter is a company with engineering excellence that built a world-class product of policies that were crafted thoughtfully and documented publicly and were enforced rigorously. Those are all things that, even if you want to dismantle yes, them, take sure. some amount of time to change. And I think that's informing what we see from the company today. You said that Twitter is in a moment of transition, and I want to talk about what that transition means for users, including outside of the US, where most Twitter users are. I spoke last week with Alexander Gibbons of the Center for Democracy and Technology. Her organization serves on Twitter's Trust and Safety Council. And she was really worried about Elon Musk's decision to lay off Twitter's entire human rights team. Here's what she said. The company was trying. There were important moments where they took a stand to defend the rights of users to spread important messages online and to push back on instances of government repression or authoritarian efforts. So, Yoel, what do you think the future of Twitter for people who advocate for human rights, for people who push back against government oppression, is likely to be? One of the most important uses of Twitter over the years has been the use of speaking truth to power through the platform. And enabling that use safely requires constant investment by a lot of people. Twitter is known in the industry for being a company that has regularly gone to court to defend the privacy of its users. If you are a human rights activist in a country that is hostile to activism, or an embedded journalist, or a queer person in a country where that's illegal, your very ability to participate as your true self online is contingent on being able to not share some parts of your true self, not just publicly, but also with a company like Twitter. I truly hope that that practice doesn't go away under Mr. Musk. Well, except the I, people who would do that have, for the most part, been laid off, right? And I think that's the real risk. You can't do this work with a skeleton crew. And so what does that mean for the, the human rights advocates, the free speech activists? I think people need to very thoughtfully and carefully weigh the costs and benefits of using Twitter, given their personal security situation. And that's a terrifying prospect to have to come to terms with, especially for many people who have spent the better part of a decade building a platform and an audience and a community on Twitter. So you left Twitter pretty abruptly and you did not sign a non-disclosure agreement. Other execs who left in the earlier days did sign NDAs. And I'm curious, if those people could talk, what do you think they'd be saying right now? One of the defining traits of Twitter was... I mean, this guy's putting a lot of possibilities out there without any evidence. Okay, because I'm not sure... I was just trying to think, okay, that, okay, because I was thinking I wasn't paying enough attention uh, to what the dude was saying because I'm, I was trying to figure out, okay, where, okay, what he was talking about, about people that are, are uh, human rights activists and free speech activists uh, being on Twitter because, I, I, I mean, I'm trying to, like, what was I'm trying to figure out what was he saying about them that is because Elon Musk is running it that they're going to be messed with because I, I didn't quite understand that he didn't give any evidence to that he's just saying that <coughs> that that's probably going to happen to them okay what is he saying <coughs> is going to happen to these dudes I, I'm, I was 
that they're not going to be able to use Twitter and that, like, gay people in countries where it's illegal are going to have their uh, identities revealed and shit like that. Okay, how are they going to, because of other people that don't like gay people are going are, are gonna to reveal their identities or people that don't want That's what he's saying. He's saying shit without any evidence to back it up. Okay. Yeah, that could be true. <coughs> so all of a sudden, Elon Musk will be the boogeyman? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't make sense. I mean, the people that were running Twitter before were really taking away people's freedom of speech. So I'm not sure if... I'm trying to figure out whether this dude, yeah, if what he's saying makes sense or if he has the evidence to back it up. And yeah, you're you're right. He probably doesn't have the evidence so far to back it up. So yeah, let's uh, but let's hear more what he has to say and see if there's he has more evidence to back up what he's saying. States of Twitter was a culture of care and of empathy, and many of the people I spoke with were personally and professionally heartbroken about the fact that that culture might be going away. Above all else, I think the people who choose to work at Twitter generally didn't choose to work at the company because it was the easiest job or the best paid job. They chose to work there because they believed in the impact that Twitter could have in the world. Twitter is one of the most consequential communication platforms in existence. And what happens on Twitter can move markets, can change elections, and it can impact the safety of millions of people around the world. And more than anything else, people are worried about what will happen given Twitter's importance in the world if there isn't a team left to do that type of work. You describe your former colleagues as being heartbroken, and you very dispassionately kind of described what the consequences might be of this transition that Twitter is in. As dispassionate as you are in describing this, is it tough for you to watch what's happening right now? It is. I'm heartbroken and devastated by what I see happening at the company and what I see happening to decades of <laughs> professionals building the service into what it is. But I think we need to have two parallel conversations. We can be upset and concerned about what's happening at Twitter specifically, but it, we would be remiss if we only had that conversation. We should think about what the trade-offs here are trying to strike a balance between three factors that are often in enormous tension with each other. And those are safety, speech, and privacy. And the work of trying to find the right equilibrium there is difficult, if not completely impossible, and yet you still have to do it. Yoel Roth, former head of trust and safety at Twitter. <laughs> to us and good luck in your next chapter. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, I don't know. I mean, it almost sounds like he's being an advocate for censorship in a way. That's what he's doing. He's double talking. He's like, oh, the free speech activists. Like, what kind of free speech activists are you promoting, bro? Because the ones that were on there. He's like, well, we need to have. There needs to be a balance between free speech and safety. And what was the other 
and privacy. Like, free speech and privacy should be thrown out of the way for the sake of safety or, or I don't know, like, I'm not sure, like, where you was going with that statement. <laughs> when I hear statements oh. like that, I just, like, that just makes me wonder. You know? yeah, that just makes me wonder when I hear statements like that. Like, only, like, a layman person that hasn't been following the situation and what they've been doing would be believing this guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't know that fucking, you know, people have been getting banned off of there for their political views and shit like that because they promoted, uh... COVID vaccine alternatives and shit like that and you know if they didn't know about those type of things they would sit up and listen to this guy and they would like not understand the nuances to what he's trying to push yeah it's like people are saying and they're not like if you didn't know what was going on in the world like say these people from the 60s if they're listening to us, hearing what's happening in the future, I mean, they knew that, you know, in the media back then, you had to read between the lines and that there were certain buzzwords that made it sound nice to push something that was really lame. And that's kind of what this dude is doing. He's using these nice buzzwords to push the idea of censoring certain uh, people's opinions off of uh, Twitter. So, uh, I don't know, it's a trip. And I don't know, thinking of uh, Twitter, I wonder where they got the idea, why, why did they call it Twitter in the first place, I wonder. Okay. But I was was just thinking of something around uh, a couple years or around when Twitter was first being talked about, when it was relatively new in the game. I was uh, trying to remember what I did, like maybe through some of the voices in my head or something, I did this thing with my scanners at the times I had a scanner at the time, uh, like a a ham radio type scanner. And I was, I'd be able to turn it onto a certain frequency. And then I'd put, uh, somewhere, I think what I do, I'd put my, I'd have an FM radio going at 108 FM and then on my scanner, all of a sudden, would play this radio station that was like 97-something FM. At the time, it was a, a top 40 station. Now it's a news station. And uh, when it was the top 40 station, uh, I could... It would play the music on the station but in a weird sounding way as if the music was sped up to a, like the pitch changed. So it's like you'd hear the song that they're playing on, on the station, but it would be 
in a way higher pitch than the song originally was. And uh, by messing with that whole thing, I could uh, do something to mess with the uh, some of the stuff that was in my building at the time that, that it was, uh, I don't know, like the communications or something. I could mess with the cameras in, in the apartment building by doing whatever this thing was with the uh, scanner. And it, it made regular music sound almost like a bird saying something like you could hear a conversation and it sounded like it was like you know like a theremin almost you know yeah. that, that instrument's like you know like a, that music that they had on uh, certain sci-fi shows yeah i don't know that sound effect yeah so it's it would like make whatever was on this radio station or a certain conversation it'd be like a conversation but with the sound of a theremin doing the conversation, so it'd be like, I mean, it almost sounded like R2-D2 talking. It was really trippy. And it was like kind of this digital kind of transmitter or something that you could, like, chickety, like make it go, like if you push the, the FM dial slightly, it would be at this thing and you hear the, 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 the conversation go it was really trippy at least the sound effect I could get on that uh-huh. was uh, very trippy I was able to by putting I don't know by, by moving the scanner to different frequencies and turning the FM dial I could make a uh, depending on what area I was in, I could make certain cameras get messed with and certain, I don't know, it was a trip and was able to turn a few cameras off at one point, especially at around the uh, fall of 2011. It was a good uh, thing I was, was able to do at the time. But, uh, but I don't know, like I wondered if that's where they came up with the Twitter thing is because you could the conversation kind of sounded like a, with my scanner kind of sounded like a bird chirping, you know, like a bird conversation. It almost sounded like birds with a, a theremin sound, like the birds are, like the sound of chirping birds, but it was like theremin sounding. It was really trippy. Never mind. Okay, anyway, let, uh, let's go to the next article. I was just babbling on this weird idea, thing that I just memory that I had. It's... <laughs> Judge rules Indiana Attorney General broke state law while investigating abortion provider. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's go into this uh, article. Uh, what's in the article? <clears throat> it's a one minute lesson. Okay. A county judge ruled Friday that Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita violated state law, breaking confidentiality in his office's investigation of Dr. Caitlin Bernard. But Indiana Public Broadcasting's Brandon Smith reports the judge also denied Bernard's request to put a halt to Rokita's investigation. Records show that Dr. Bernard filed the proper paperwork after providing an abortion to a 10-year-old Ohio girl and cooperated with authorities investigating her rape. 
But Attorney General Todd Rapito went on cable TV, accused Bernard of breaking the law without any evidence, and threatened to revoke her medical license. Since then, Rapito's office launched an investigation of Bernard based on consumer complaints. Marion County Judge Heather Welch ruled that Rapito broke the law by publicly discussing the investigation before his office filed an official complaint with the Indiana Medical Licensing Board. That official complaint was filed Wednesday, and Judge Welch denied Bernard's request to halt the investigation because the issue is now in the licensing board's hands. For Indiana Public Broadcasting, I'm Brandon Smith at the Statehouse. That's it. Okay. So I'm trying to understand that. Okay, this is Indiana where they're trying to implement the tyranny of Jesus. And... Uh, make uh, abortion illegal again uh, were uh, taking were what were they doing they were uh, I don't know they were uh, okay I'm trying to figure this out okay the, the, the state decided to investigate this abortion clinic in Indiana and so I'm trying to think if I see if I understand the story because it kind of went by fast and I don't know I'm not paying as good of attention as I should be. I don't think it was mainly about abortion rights. Okay, why don't you think it was? Because the guy they said it at the end, like the guy sat up and talked about the case before it was made public. Okay. So the whole thing about this dude talking about the case before it was made public. So it's like, if you're being investigated, okay, who's talking about the case? The dude that was doing the investigating or the dude from the abortion? I thought it was the dude from the abortion clinic that's talking about the case. No, that was just a dude talking from wherever. Okay, wait. Either the dude had to be with the people that are doing the investigating or the abortion clinic, you think? He was an outside person. Like, he didn't have any direct ties. Okay, so he wasn't tied to a right-to-life group or, or an anti-choice group or whatever, and he wasn't tied to... Uh, the authorities or whatever that were investigating or the clinic. No, he's just a news dude. Okay, so he's a journalist. Yeah. Okay, so he's a journalist who finds out that this abortion clinic is being investigated. Yeah, the there is that. You know, they're being investigated. Because they're trying to say that the abortion was illegal. Okay, so they're investigating someone's abortion. Yeah. Okay, was this the abortion of the... 12-year-old uh, girl who got raped who had an abortion in Ohio. Okay, so... The state is investigating this 13-year-old girl that got raped, they got an abortion... And this was in Ohio? I thought it was Indiana, they said. Like, the Indiana AG. Like, I don't know why Ohio is in it. I'd have to listen to it again. Okay. 
it's in one of the states where they're trying to make abortion illegal. <clears throat> right now, like in the Midwest. And this dude... Okay, so this journalist is finding out about this and putting this, you know, writing a story about it. Yeah. And the state... Okay, how is... What's the state trying to do because you just wanted to write a story about it? Nothing. Okay. I'm confused then. Okay, what's this? I'm trying to figure out what the story is about then if no one's getting fucked with. Judge rules Indiana Attorney General broke state law while investigating abortion providers. Okay, so this is the Attorney General. And how did he break the state law then? By talking about the case before they filed the paperwork. So it was an ongoing investigation. Okay, so the Attorney General broke the law by telling the journalists that this abortion clinic is being investigated. Yeah. Okay, so the Attorney General's in trouble for doing that. And uh, you know, like this got out all on the out on the press, and they're saying it shouldn't have been able to get out on 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 the press until after I don't know the after the investigation started, and then it would have come it would have eventually come out that way without the attorney general like saying something about it. Yeah. Okay, so. And, but the, I don't know, is the investigation still going on, or? Yeah, it's in the next stage. Okay, so there's still, even though this chick got raped, they're still, like, trying to say, oh, maybe she should have had to carry the, the, the baby to term, even though she got raped. Not sure. Okay, because... I'm trying to th- figure why they're investigating this clinic if it's a chick that got raped when she was 13. Like, like, why are they investigating? What's this? Should we have made her give birth to the baby anyway? Or, I don't know. It wasn't mentioned. Figure- what is it? It wasn't mentioned. Okay, so we don't know... All we know is that uh, the attorney general's in trouble for telling the press. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. One of the weird stories that happens when the tyranny of Jesus is, is happening in, in uh, Indiana or, or Ohio or wherever this, whatever state that the tyranny of Jesus is being implemented in. But okay. I don't know. I guess uh, we should go to the next article. Yeah, a man has been charged. With murdering Migos rapper Takeoff. Okay. So they found out who killed him. Uh, should we go to the, the the next story, or where's your head at on this? I'm not a fan of Migos, so we can move along. I mean, I don't know. He's probably a good rapper, but it's like... 
I don't know, like, he, he got shot. They found the dude who shot him, so I don't know if this has much to do with any of the rest of us and what we're going through just uh, in life that all those of us that aren't famous, like Migos. So, okay, I don't know. Uh, yeah, let's go to the next uh, article. What's making us happy? A guide to your weekend listening, viewing, and reading. Okay. Don't care. What's the next? Let's go to the next article. A rare recording of a musical by an 18-year-old Stefan Sondheim surfaces. Okay, who cares? Let's go to the next article. Director Noah Baumbach tackles misinformation in white noise, Riley. Okay, is that like a play? Or, it's I mean, a movie. Is this a okay, a movie. And... I don't know... I don't know, this sounds like a movie promoting censorship. <laughs> I don't know. Probably. Yeah, no, that's kind of what it is. If NPR is like saying it's good, it's probably promoting censorship. So... And I guess, uh, let's go to the next article. Kanye West, now yay, is suspended from Twitter and won't buy parlor. Okay. Okay, so he was thinking of buying parlor. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, mean, I wonder if somebody is buying parlor. <laughs> I know, was that the same group that Trump owned for a while or Uh he was involved if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, I thought I was hearing about the falling down of uh of that thing. Which, okay, I don't know, something that's run by the Republicans, I don't know if you could say that's a place for free speech either. But, okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess we... I don't know, I'm thinking... I don't know, have we beat the uh, Kanye West thing to death? <laughs> Did we beat it to death yesterday? Not technically, since we didn't go into it much. I don't know. Would it make sense to go into this, or where's your head at? Not really. Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking, too. See, so, yeah, let's go to the next article. A Democratic panel okays a Biden-backed shakeup of the party's presidential calendar. Okay, uh, let's see what they're, what are they talking about? It's almost four minute listen. Okay, yeah, let's listen to this. A Democratic committee has voted to upend the presidential nominating calendar, elevating South Carolina to the top spot and nixing the Iowa caucuses from the early window. NPR's Barbara Sprunt is at the party meeting underway here in D.C. Hey, Barbara. Hi. So for as long as I can remember, it's been the Iowa caucuses, the New Hampshire primary. Those two states get to go first. Everybody else has to get in line behind them. Why the change? 
Well, it's an order that has been increasingly criticized in recent years, in large part because Iowa and New Hampshire have predominantly white populations, and Democrats argue the states that go first should be more demographically representative of the party. So the DNC launched a process earlier this year for states to apply to be in that early window. 16 states plus Puerto Rico did make formal pitches over the summer, and the committee was pretty clear about what it was looking for, competitiveness and demographic diversity. So the new plan is, as we mentioned, South Carolina gets to go first. Iowa's not even in this first group. What does the rest of the early window look like? Right. Well, after South Carolina will be New Hampshire and Nevada on the same day, followed by Georgia and Michigan. This is the order that President Biden had actually told the committee he wanted to see. Now, South Carolina isn't a competitive state in the general election, but in 2020, it, it, was a, it played a key role. It was the first state with a significant Black population to make their voices heard, and it actually provided Biden with a huge boost in the primary. He's spoken at length about the importance of elevating diverse voices early on in the primary, and I should add that the full DNC needs to ratify this plan early next year. What's been the reaction so far from Iowa and New Hampshire? Well, they're not happy with the new schedule. Um, representatives from the states lodged polite but firm complaints. Here's Iowa's Scott Brennan. Democrats cannot forget about entire groups of voters in the heart of the Midwest without doing significant damage to the party for a generation. After the news broke of Biden's plan uh, last night, there was a lot of uh, spicy commenting on Twitter from New Hampshire. The state party sent out a tweet saying, essentially, we've survived past attempts to get rid of our first in the nation status. We'll do it again. Uh, Joanne Dowdell from New Hampshire made it known at the meeting today that she agrees with Biden on the importance of diversity, but stressed there's a state law in place so that New Hampshire's primary can retain its first in the nation status. We do have a law. And we will not be breaking our law. So that seems to set up an interesting possibility. What happens if the DNC says, look, this is the plan, get on board. And New Hampshire, for example, says, no way, we've always gone first. We're, gonna, we're just going to go first anyway. Right. Well, this is where it gets really tricky. If, if the state, New Hampshire, decides it's going to keep going first and ignore the order that the DNC has voted on today, the DNC has said that it will take actions that would decrease the power of that state's delegates at the convention, which it's a major blow to the state party for that to happen. I spoke with Tom Perez, a former chair of the DNC, a few days ago about this potential scenario, and here's what he said. If the state decides the heck with what the DNC did and said, they do that at their peril. And this has happened before. The DNC refused to seat half the delegates from Michigan in 2008 after it moved up its primary without authorization. And the committee today said not only would states that don't comply with the rules lose delegate power, but the committee also strengthened the rules this cycle so that any candidates are precluded from campaigning in any state that goes outside the voting window approved by the DNC. That is NPR's Barbara Sprunt. Thanks so much, Barbara. Thank you. are supposed to happen 
when you got the Republican Party and the Green Party and the Libertarians and, and uh, Peace and Freedom and Natural Law or whatever other parties. Uh, I mean, it's more than just the Democrats that are deciding what's happening in their primary, right? Uh, not sure. Never really looked at. I mean, I guess it's like if you. I mean, you have to vote for. I mean, I guess because I'm green, I can only vote for other greens in the primary, right? Uh, I mean, again, except for the open primary, which gives us less of a choice. I, I find out. So, I guess yeah, in that way, it is the Democrat. No, but don't all of the parties vote at the same time? I think this is just for their thing for president, like electing a presidential candidate. Yeah, but okay. If, I mean, in general, don't the Republicans and the Democrats and all these parties decide how they're going to, when this election happens at the same time, or is it in these states that have these caucuses or something? Uh things done differently. Don't know. Okay, because this is kind of, that's just kind of what's going on in my brain. Is like, okay, I live in California. Like, every party votes at the same time, you know, whenever the primary election is and whenever the general election is. So it's like, how does one party, you know, unless it's so different in these other states, I'm like wondering, how does one party have so much at stake with, when their primary is. But okay, uh, I guess the Democrats, if this is straight on what they're saying, the Democrats are trying to get more diversity, you know, more different groups that are underrepresented, underrepresented to be represented in the uh, primary election, then it's, it's probably a good thing. Then it's yeah. the Democrats trying to keep people from being screwed with. But what, do you, what were you going to say? It just sounds like Biden is trying to rig the system so he gets elected as president again. Okay, I mean, I don't know if this is so much rigging the system. I mean, I've heard the Republicans use that argument. And I don't know if it's... I don't think that's what rigs it. I mean, I think what rigs it... Well, he said, like, I'm going to get people that are more diverse that helped me in the primary last time to be the ones first who get to vote instead of these people. So that is rigging the system so that, you know, people that are more in favor of Biden are the ones who get to vote first. Okay, I mean, I think the system, the way that the system gets rigged is differently, is done differently. I think our system gets rigged in a way that uh, people it, it's first that the way the, the, the press covers it rigs it and the way that the uh, that the corporations fund whoever runs rigs, rigs uh, the elections and here in California when we got the open primary which you'd think would help us because, okay, somebody who's a Republican or an independent can vote for a Democrat or someone who's a, uh, an independent or Republican can vote. And when it comes to the two major parties, I think anybody from 
a bunch of different parties can vote for whatever party they want now, except for it rigs the election in that uh, in the major election, then it's the top two candidates get in and you're either stuck with. Welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. I'm Kyle Chaos. Which, okay, now I'm just thinking about it. Like, news in the 40s and up to the 50s was really bad in a lot of ways. <laughs> Although not as much gossipy stories, but if you listen to, like, 40s and 50s newscasts, it's really brainwashed. <laughs> yeah, those blacks are really causing issues in the national debate. Well, no, they still, like, back in... I remember when they're like, hearing, like... Uh, tapes of the news coverage from the, the uh, 1965 riots and they were still calling uh, black people Negroes on the TV news. Uh-huh. So it, it, was, it was really weirder back then. Alright, uh... Death and Dishonesty, stories of two workers who built the World Cup stadiums in Qatar. Um, Okay. I mean, I'm wondering if this has anything to do with, like, workers getting paid or union issues. So... I don't know, like, uh, is it an article, or? That's a listen. We lost cow chaos.
Ahoy, matey. Ahoy. Welcome to the... The SS... Salty Sailor. And I am the Salty Sailor. Because I cuss like one. Exactly. Let's see what wants to be a... Uh, it's about, oh, yeah. it's kind of about workers' rights, but it's more like they got fucked over and they can't really do anything about it. Well, yeah, no, no, we definitely got to go into that because, uh, especially in, uh, I don't know, third world countries, you know, countries like in the uh, Middle East. Uh, workers will really get fucked over. So, uh, uh, what it, so yeah, let's go into that. Uh, There's been a lot of controversy over how the tiny Persian Gulf nation of Qatar is hosting the World Cup. Like many in the Gulf, Qatar's economy relies on migrant labor. As NPR's Lauren Freyer reports, for many workers from South Asia, the World Cup brings mixed feelings. Kids have gathered in a park on Mumbai's outskirts, tossing around a ball. Do you know the World Cup? Ronaldo, Ronaldo. Ronaldo? Yeah. What about Messi? Messi, Messi, Messi. Sitting on a park bench nearby is Ashwini Kumar, for whom scenes like this are painful. They remind him of his big brother. We used to play together like these kids, he says. His brother Vinod loved soccer and was thrilled to get a job three years ago in Qatar, building its World Cup stadiums. But Vinod never came home. He's one of what Qatari authorities say is hundreds and human rights investigators say is thousands of World Cup workers who died there. The Kumar family never really got answers. Ashwini says they were told various things, that Binab died by suicide or in a workplace accident. He does remember his brother saying he had to do tasks he wasn't trained for, like firefighting. The company never even sent home his stuff. Binab was 28. He has a widow and a two-and-a-half-year-old. The world should remember this while watching our favorite teams in these air-conditioned stadiums. Namrata Raju is an economist and researcher with Equidem a labor rights group that interviewed about a thousand laborers in the lead up to this World Cup. The alleged really worrying things, nationality-based discrimination, wage theft, and there were a lot of cases of overwork, varying forms of forced labor or other forms of modern slavery. Now, Qatar says it's faced unfair scrutiny and that conditions have actually gotten better because of this World Cup. Hassan al-Tawadi, the official in charge of World Cup infrastructure, spoke at a think tank conference this fall. What the World Cup did was it allowed for a significant number of reforms to be accelerated. But workers <coughs> returning from Qatar say enforcement has been shoddy, especially with subcontractors. By phone from Nepal, a worker named Anish Adhikari tells me how he had to take out a loan to pay a recruiter $900 to get him a job with a construction company owned by the Qatari royal family. It took him half a year to earn that money back, at a salary that was much less than what he was promised. 
He left Qatar still in debt after backbreaking work in 125 degree heat. But a small part of him is also proud. To have helped build the glimmering golden Lusail Stadium, which will host the World Cup final. I ask if he'll be watching. He doesn't have a TV, he says, or much data on his phone. It's expensive. Back in the Mumbai park, Ashwini Kumar, who lost his brother, says he's not watching either. It was my brother who loved soccer, he says, and he died for it. Lauren Freyer, NPR News, Mumbai. So, boo nation of Qatar, of Qatar, boo nation of Qatar, boo, uh, uh, I don't know, bosses of Qatar, you suck, you screwed your workers over, uh, if you live in Qatar, uh, I guess people really, uh, don't get paid that good for working their ass off in extreme heat and, uh, even though they're building something that's supposed to uh, be a huge thing in, in, in the uh, government and get tourism and all that, uh, you're still getting screwed over. So that, that's, uh, that's pretty fucked up. But this is, uh, I guess, the way the rest of the world uh, operates, the way most of uh, the world operates. And, and that way we have it really lucky in this country and people over in those countries really have it screwed. Or they're really being screwed over. Anyway, let's go to the next article. They ran a right-wing voter suppression scheme. Now they're sentenced to register voters. Okay, yeah, let's go into this one. Uh, let's see, is this an article? Yeah. Okay. Two far-right operatives who told tens of thousands of people not to vote by mail in a robocall scheme will now have to spend 500 hours registering people to vote thanks to a legal sentence from an Ohio judge. I mean, I've, I've done that for free. And right after we got uh, Prop 215 on the ballot, uh, I was doing a lot of that. So uh, I don't know. It's not a bad job to do. I mean, if that's what your if that's what your punishment is, that's not a bad punishment. Probably for Unless free. Say again. Probably for free. Okay. Either way, I did it for free too. But I mean, I was doing it because I liked the I liked a uh, initiative that was on the ballot. But uh, wasn't a bad thing to do. Wasn't like stressful or anything like that. It was just hard finding people even going, "Oh, you registered to vote here? I can help you register." And I, I don't know. But, uh, it wasn't stressful. It wasn't a fucked up job. 
Jacob Wool and Jack Berkman robocalled roughly 85,000 voters across Michigan, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Ohio in the summer of 2020, falsely telling them that voting by mail would risk giving your private information to the man. Uh-huh. Prosecutors say the pair were targeting neighborhoods known to have high percentage of black voters. Yeah, that's kind of screwed up. So it's kind of a racist thing. Hey, let's call some, let's call some of these people and tell them, don't bother to vote. Don't vote by me. What the hell? The robocaller who claimed to be with a non-existing group called the 1599 Project falsely said that voters' information would go into a database accessible to police, debt collectors, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which would use the information to impose vaccine mandates. The caller cited no evidence to support these claims. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that could actually happen. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't put anything past the Democrats, but okay. I mean, for all I know, when I got, when I registered to vote, they're going to use that to fuck with me, but I don't know. You know, what else in the article? Uh, falsely said that voters' information would go into a database accessible to police, debt collectors, okay. and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Wait, who are the other groups? Police, debt collectors, and the Centers for Disease Control. Okay, well, I don't know if it'd go to debt collectors. I believe... I don't know. I believe the cops and... surprised if they didn't do that when, just when I registered to vote. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like, feel good that I say that I registered in an, an area where there, it's in church and if they want to go look for me, they'll go to a church where they can't find me, but <laughs> I don't know. So who knows? which would use the information to impose vaccine mandates. The caller cited no evidence to support these claims. Okay. No one else in the article. Wallen Berkman, who initially said in an interview with CNN that they weren't responsible for the calls, pleaded guilty to telecommunications fraud in Ohio in October. Okay, so these were robocalls anyway, which if you really care about this shit, why do you do it through a robot? Why won't you actually go talk to people so you can get a response one way or another rather than just, oh, I got a little tape, I can play it on the phone. Woohoo, this will get the information out there. <sighs> 
They probably didn't want to be tricked. Yeah. Yeah, then you get that potential spam thing going. Yeah, like some weirdo was calling my phone number talking about he had grant money for me and needed my bank info to send it to me and shit. And I keep thinking of uh, someone that said that my number, like I had a bunch of Amazon orders sent to me that are, I'm going to have to pay for or something. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I didn't ask for any Amazon orders. And he's like, well, then give me your, 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 your uh, zip code and your, your uh, I don't know, my name and my zip code. I'm like, I don't think you have a right to ask me that. And he just starts cussing me out. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah, the dream night once I hung up on him. Because once I heard, all oh, I need to get your bank info. To send you the money, I hung up on him, and then he literally started blowing up my phone. I hung up on him like four or five times, and then I finally answered. I was like, "Stop calling me!" And he's like, "What happened? Why did you stop talking to me?" Now I hung up again, and he starts calling again, and then I just let it what ring, happened? and then he finally got the fucking message. What happened? Why did you stop talking to me? Um. I've been digging through your garbage. Got all the food packages you've been... I know what you've been eating. <laughs> yeah, he was pushy like that. Come on, wait. Come on, why are you giving me the info? Why are you willing to talk to me? Come on. I have nothing better going on in my life. Yeah, okay. well, you know, just trust me. <laughs> Come on, just give me that bank information. Come on. If you don't give me the bank information, I'm digging through your garbage. I'll find it anyway. Oh, look here. I found some information. Okay, is this your bank number? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Anyway, what else is in the article? <laughs> On Tuesday, Ohio's Cuyahoga, or Cuyahoga, County Common Pleas Court sentenced them to two years of probation, six that months of monitoring with a GPS ankle bracelet, $2,500 each in fines and 500 hours of registering voters in Washington, D.C. Why would they have to go to Washington to, when they got convicted in Ohio? Yeah, maybe they want, to, they want them to go see like all the historical sites to see how important uh, voting is and all that. Yeah, that is kind of wacky. you got to go all the way to goddamn Washington, D.C., from Ohio, shit. I mean, I think the worst part of it is the fines and the, the having to have the stupid uh, ankle bracelet on you and shit. I mean, I think I'd rather go to jail. It's like, if you're going to put a damn ankle bracelet on me, you might as well just put me in jail. You know, like... Yeah, because they're going to have to piss in a cup for fucking months. It's like, yeah, I'd probably rather take the time. 
Well, why do you think they're going to make him piss in a cup? I mean, you only have to do that if you've been uh, accused of a drug offense. Uh, I don't think so. No, I mean, it's really in California that's how it works. I don't know. They didn't say anything about making you piss in a cup. I mean, like, everything I've ever heard about it, it depends on, you know, what level of fucking criminal they think you are. Now, my understanding, they only do that if you're busted for a drug crime. I've known plenty of people that had to do piss tests that didn't do a drug crime. Okay, probably in Ohio it's different because, yeah, I forgot. Republican states, they really want to fucking take away your freedom for everything. Everybody should have to pee in a cup. I forgot. I mean, it's the same thing as the vaccine mandate. So, like, if the Republicans are making everybody pee in a cup, what's the difference between that and the vaccine mandate? It's the same bullshit. It's all bullshit. But, okay. Yeah, my friends in Colorado, they ended up doing... Uh, having to piss in a cup for like a year or two because they broke and entered. Yeah, I can't see it. That's fucked up. Yeah, they got caught car hopping. Yeah, I can't see it. Anyway, what else in the article? These two individuals attempted to disrupt the foundation of our democracy, said Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley, a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Wall expressed how absolute regret and shame over all this according to local media outlets who were present during the sentencing hearing. Uh Attorneys for Wool and Berkman did not respond to NPR's request for comment. Okay. Uh, Is there anything else in the article? The robocall stunt was only one of several high-profile acts the two activists used to spread disinformation ahead of the presidential election. Okay. Together they tried and failed to frame Robert Mueller, P. Booty Judge, and Anthony Fauci of sexual assault allegations. Wow, these guys were some real fucking assholes. Well, you could have accused Anthony Fauci of sexually assaulting chickens. You know how else did those did, did those birds in China get the the uh, the uh, 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 how how else did they get the the uh, coronavirus? Uh, how do, how else did it get from the Dina Re, uh, Function Research Back uh, to uh, the birds. I mean, it had to have been from the chickens that uh, Anthony Fauci was sexually assaulting. 
<laughs> so who knows? <laughs> they staged a phony FBI raid on Berkman's own house. Wow. These guys must have been on some kind of drugs. Which house was this? Uh, Berkman. Who's he? I think he's one of the guys that did. Oh, so the FBI... What? One of the guys that did what? The robocalls and shit. Okay, wait. Who did the fake FBI raid? They did on Berkman's house. One of the guys... Okay, so they did it to their own person. They faked it. It wasn't a real raid. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know if that means they were on something. It just means that they were really creative in the way that they uh, tried to understand <laughs> and whatever thing they were trying to spread or whatever lie they were trying to spread. They fooled the Washington Post into thinking that there was a real raid on their house. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty wacky. That's some wacky tobacco. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, what else in the article? They allegedly stole the phone of a White House liaison that Wool was dating to tweet out false allegations from her account, then said she accused Wool of kidnapping. Okay. Damn. They're willing to make up anything. Pretty much. Okay. For their role in the robocalls. The duo is facing felony charges in Michigan plus lawsuits from various civil rights groups and the state okay. attorney general in New York. Damn. The Federal Communications Commission is also considering fining the pair a record-breaking $5 million for making robocalls to cell phones without consent. Okay. That's okay. I don't know how many people would go... I want you to give me a robocall. Can I give you permission to give me a robocall? I really like talking to machines. They can't say anything back to me. <laughs> oh, no. That's the end of okay. the article. 
Okay. Pretty funny. Talk about serial liars. Say again? I said talk about serial liars. Well, now that's like when you, uh... I don't know, what would that be? If you give somebody, uh... uh and I, I guess if you, you give somebody, uh... Uh, frosted flakes and tell them that, uh, that they're really getting uh, uh, corn flakes. I don't know. Well, test it in their corn flakes and tell them it's milk. No, 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 okay, no. Since you're giving them the plain wrap cereal and telling them it's a name brand, I mean, that's a cereal liar, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, is there anything else in the article? No. Okay. So, pretty trippy people. Okay, I guess let's go to the next, uh, article. Some clothing choices have caused a stir at the World Cup. Hey, that was something else I was thinking of. Now that I was thinking about it. In that article we did about Qatar, um, if they're doing the World Cup, you know, if they're a Persian Gulf nation, then why are they doing some kind of like Arnold Palmer event instead of the World Cup? So I don't know. Anyway, but uh, let's see. Uh, okay, what was the what was the this article it's about? Uh, Okay, what are people angry about people wearing at the World Cup? <laughs> Qatar warned about clothing restrictions for this year's World Cup. And fans are finding out that officials weren't bluffing, but some controversial outfits have slipped into stadiums. Okay. Okay, what else is in the article? Qatar warned about clothing restrictions for this year's World Club. Uh, FIFA's stadium code of conduct for this year's event put into effect in July prohibits fans from bringing in tools or weapons. Okay. As well as flags or other materials that are deemed political or discriminatory. Okay. So I'm wondering what are people getting busted for, but what is it what's in the article? It also advises that any helmet or mask that covers the face besides a medical mask and or national and religious headwear is not permitted. Okay. 
Additionally, it bans being in a state of undress. And the removal of clothing to reveal intimate body parts. The specifics of those definitions are somewhat vague. In a country such as Qatar, where dressing conservatively is encouraged, mm -hmm. it could mean something more modest than what other cultures are accustomed to. But at least a few times, controversial outfits have slipped into stadiums. Here okay. are a few instances where clothing choice has caused a commotion at the World Cup. Okay. And it's just pictures. Okay, what are they showing pictures of? Members of security rights speak with two Iran supporters as they take away a flag reading woman life freedom prior to the match between Wales and Iran. Okay. It's okay. They're, they're fighting for things to get better for men in, in Qatar. Okay. And in Iran. <laughs> Rainbow apparel. Okay, so anything that, that, that so you can get busted for saying any for doing anything that, that has the uh, rainbow flag or the, the gay flag, I guess. Yeah. I mean, does it look like the gay flag or does it look like just a cool looking rainbow? <laughs> oh no, it's a rainbow armband. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Do you think they're trying to push gay shit, or do you think they just like want to wear cool-looking colors? No, no. Okay, but oh, since those cool-looking colors mean the gay flag, now you can't have cool-looking colors anymore if you're in Qatar. Okay. Knights Templar costumes. Okay, because that's offensive to Arabs or something? <laughs> to other football matches, English fans have dressed up in fox chainmail, swords, and shields. Okay, so that's a weapons ban thing, right? Yeah. Okay. What else we got pictures of? That's it. Okay, so I guess you really got to be all conservative if you're going to the World Cup in uh, Qatar. So uh, I don't know. Probably don't really want to go to to Qatar to support your team because those countries are anal retentive. Like <laughs> I don't know. You probably just want to watch it on TV and not have to show up in, in such an anal retentive country. <laughs> so who knows?
Anyway, let's go to the, uh, I guess let's go to the next article. But okay, Boo Qatar, your country sucks in general. Uh, except for, you know, go help these, uh, the dudes in, in, in Iran and in, in, uh, Qatar to, uh, so that eventually women won't wind up creating, making men's lives a nightmare over there and, and, uh, like the, like it is like it's becoming here and, and uh, so that uh, they can't wind up putting you in jail so that the chicks can't wind up putting you in jail for trying to get pussy or or uh, <laughs> so that uh, I don't know so probably your own country does that <laughs> but uh in order to not support rape in any shape or form. Okay. But, uh, I'd say, uh, uh, right on, I don't know, the, uh, the men in the Middle East are smarter than us in, in that way. <laughs> Women want to start pushing the the matriarchy in those countries, in Iran or Qatar. No, we're not. We're not going to let you push the matriarchy here. But okay, I can dig it. <laughs> Pentagon debuts its new stealth bomber, the B twenty one Raider. Uh, do we care? I mean, I don't get why that's such a huge, like, why are they covering, like, who cares? Especially from NPR. Like, why do you want to publicize war? <laughs> I don't know. Woo, don't they got a nice weapon? I don't get that. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to figure out why they got an article on this. Like, what? what's the spin on this? Are they really just advertising this stupid weapon? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't seem like something NPR would do. Well, it's all about, you know, talking about the uh, new American bomber aircraft. It's part of efforts to modernize all three legs of a nuclear triad alongside nuclear missiles and submarine launch warheads. Advertising it, it's not criticizing it at all. No. Okay, that. I don't know when has NPR started doing ads for the military. What the hell is that about? That's just wacky. Okay, let's go to the next article. Uh, probably the same time they started, uh, you know, doing everything that they've been doing lately. Okay. Media's getting weirder and NPR's getting more propaganda like every day. Okay. Uh, let's go to the next uh, article. Julia Richard, an Oscar winning leader in U.S. independent documentaries, dies. Okay. What was his most famous documentaries? 
Or what was he famous for? American Factory and the last truck. Hmm. I don't know, what were they supposed to be about? Like, did they explain what they're about or did they just say that was this famous that documentary? They probably do, but it doesn't sound interesting enough to go into. Okay, okay. Let's go to the next article. Putin turns down talks with Biden and defends Russian attacks on Ukraine's energy grid. Okay, so Putin is not going to negotiate at all with, uh, I don't know, we probably should cover this, but I don't know, where's your head out of this? Sounds mildly interesting. I don't think it's interesting, but, okay, Putin, it's just to show that Putin's not interested at all in, in negotiating, and that uh, he's just out to, to, he's out to keep this stupid war going, and that is kind of important for us to know that, so, yeah, let's, uh, let's go into this, uh, so what, what's in the article? Yeah. Okay, so what's in the article? The Kremlin dismissed the idea of talks with President Biden to end the war in Ukraine on Friday and defended its repeated attacks on Ukrainian infrastructure as inevitable. No, that sucks. I mean, it would have been good if the war could have ended today, but okay. On Thursday, Biden said he would be willing to talk to Russian President Vladimir Putin if, in fact, there is an interest in him deciding that he's looking for a way to end the war. Okay, so did Vladimir Putin say, talk to the hand because Vladimir ain't listening? Anyway, what else is in the uh, article? Asked about those comments at the White House, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said Putin remains open to negotiations so long as they help secure Russia's national interests. Okay, what negotiation is he willing to do negotiation about then? So long as they help secure Russia's national interests. No, but there was something you said earlier in the sentence. Like, what's the first part of the those sentence? comments at the White House, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said Putin remains open to negotiations. If, if it would help Russia's interests. Like, what the hell negotiation would help Russia's interest? Like, if what would make Russia get whatever it wants? I don't know. That's kind of ridiculous. That still sounds like Russia doesn't want to negotiate about anything that, that's going to really matter. 
there. Putin doesn't want to negotiate about anything that matters. Probably not. But Peskov noted Biden's demand that Putin pull out of Ukraine made talks unlikely. The US, you know, that's always... The U.S. So, still know. doesn't recognize new territories of the Russian Federation, Peskov okay. said, in a reference to four regions of Ukraine, the Kremlin illegally annexed to international condemnation in September. That complicates the search for grounds on which to hold mutual discussions. Okay. So the U.S. doesn't want to negotiate because of Russia taking all those uh, different uh, uh, parts of Ukraine over. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else in the article? Uh, the rejection of talks with Washington came as Putin provided a forceful defense of his actions in Ukraine in a phone call with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz. Wait, what happened with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz again? Putin rejected talks. Okay, so he's not going to talk with Germany or, or, uh, he's not going to talk with the, with someone from Germany or the U.S. No. Okay. Um, what else in the article? According to a Kremlin readout of the call, Putin said the West is pursuing destructive policies in Ukraine through its financial and military support, which leads to the fact that Kiev has dismissed the idea of any negotiations. Okay, so the Ukraine people are, are saying they're not willing to, that, that they, they know that Putin's not willing to negotiate, so the war just goes on. Um, what else in the article? Putin defended weeks of attacks on Ukraine's energy infrastructure as a logical response to Ukrainian attacks on Russia, including a key bridge linking the Russian mainland to the annexed Crimean Peninsula. Okay. Sounds like typical... <laughs> You're not doing what we want in the war, going along with what we want in the war. You're fighting us, so we're going to keep fighting you. It's just not negotiation. Okay. Uh, what else in the article? That's the end of it. Okay, so, uh, okay, boo Putin, you still suck. As much as I don't want to get on this, this, uh, you know, I'm supposed to say I love Putin. Like earlier in the show, I said I love Putin, you know, because of, uh, you know, I wanted to be like Kanye, but this, it's too hard to say I love Putin right now. It's just, 
No, you're just being perpetuating this war, just like uh, Biden and the Allies are per- perpetuating this war. So, okay, more weirdness, more madness. I don't know. Uh, I guess let's go to the next article. Yep. What we know about the deadliest bird flu outbreak in the U.S. history. Okay, what the hell is this bird flu thing? What's the, yeah, let's go a little bit into this. The U.S. is enduring its worst poultry health disaster with some 52.7 billion birds dead. Okay. Unlike now, another recent outbreak, this one has lasted through the summer and it's still going strong. Okay. I think when we went through InfoWars, they said something about that this might be a staged messing with the poultry industry. I'm not sure whether to believe that or not. or I, I don't know. Like, when Compare this to what we've been hearing in Infowars. Like, what do you think is really is going on? And um, do you think that the, the dudes here are telling us the truth, or like, what do you, or, or not, or? <laughs> okay, so we don't know what to believe at this point. No. Okay. Um. I don't know. Should we go more into this? So we can decide what to believe? Nah. Ready to go to the next article? Okay, I guess we'll go to the next article. And I guess we still won't know what we believe about this. (laughs) But okay. They might have some good points. Uh, I don't know. So, yeah, let's go to the next article. Tilda Swinton stars twice in The Eternal Daughter as both parent and child. Okay, who cares? Let's go to the next article. Prince William says he deplores his godmother's racial comments. Okay, so... Okay, Prince... Which Prince is this again? William. Okay, so... His mom... Who, who's Prince William's mom now? Or, and what did she say? So, like, what's in the article? Prince William's office said racism has no place in our society as he sought to prevent the backlash over his godmother's treatment of a black advocate for survivors of domestic abuse from overshadowing his trip to the United States. Okay. Lady uh, Susan Hussey, yeah. 
What? Okay, so what were you even saying? Lady Susan Hussey. 83 resigned Wednesday as an honorary member of the royal household after the chief executive of an East London women's refuge said Hussey repeatedly asked her where she really came from after she told the older woman that she was British. Okay, so it's like she's saying, oh, because you're black you can't be British? What the hell? That's stupid. Pretty but okay, much. so... So, uh, Prince William is saying that's really lame. Uh, this is his mom's? Mother-in-law's mom's dad. Okay, so this is mother-in-law. So it's like, my mom, my mother-in-law's a racist... What she said is really lame. That's like what what, what uh, Prince William is saying. Yeah. And so and so this woman wound up resigning. And okay. So that what went on there. Okay, uh, let's go to the next uh, article. January 6th panel meets to mull potential criminal referrals for Trump others. Okay, so who do they think they're going to... Who in, in Trump's old uh, entourage or cabinet are, are they going to mess with now? <laughs> was that enough? I don't know if you'd want to be in Trump's entourage. I mean, because that didn't seem like it was that heavy of a party. Not enough, not enough pot but, and liquor for you. Yes, I think I'd still rather be in the in the Antichrist entourage. I mean, that's going to be a better party. Give me a second. I'm about to get some. <laughs> Chaos would probably yeah. enjoy the song Liquor and Whores. Oh, yeah, I heard it. Or Liquor and Whores. This is. Let me think. Cause, I mean, that was a slogan for. Uh, it was a radio show I used to listen to that was on in Seattle and Portland uh, called The Men's Room, and they'd after a bunch of people would do their, their thing on the phone, like whenever they'd end the conversation or begin the conversation, the dudes would all go, liquor and whores! Yeah, liquor and whores! <laughs> um, I was thinking of something totally different, but okay. Well, who does this song? 
Yeah, it was just a fucking skit that Snoop Dogg did with the uh, Trailer Park Boys. Okay, when, like, how long ago was this? Like, when was this one dead? Uh, before the pandemic. Okay, because the radio show... See, when I was in Washington, that was 26, 2017. December 2016 which was around the time I first heard the Men's Room show, which is one of the best radio shows. Uh, I mean, not as good as Over the Edge or Subgenius Radio or, or uh, some of the stuff that I heard on Calex in the 80s, but uh, it's, uh, when it comes to good personality radio, it's pretty good personality radio. Uh, KISW in, in uh, Washington. Really good DJs. <laughs> and I guess uh, KGON uh, in Portland is uh, still running it. Yeah, it was probably from around that time, but it was just a skit where one of the uh, Trailer Park Boys bubbles. Like, play Snoop Dogg a song they made called Liquor and Whores. Okay, well, that's probably where it came from. I, mean, I bet those dudes interviewed that band or whatever. Sounds like a band that uh, the dudes from the Benzer would have been inter- interviewed. No, uh, it wasn't a band. It's just one of the guys from the show is a decent musician. Right on. Cool. But I could have pictured them interviewing people from that show. Yeah, the Trailer Park Boys, when they first came out, were getting interviewed everywhere. Right up. But anyway, uh, let's see. Where are, are we doing an article right now? or January 6th panel meets to mull potential criminal referrals for Trump. Okay. Uh, what else in the article? We only got two minutes left. Okay, should we figure what's going on in the article, or should we figure out what to name this thing after? Oh, pretty much a minute now. We might as well figure out what to name it. Okay, um, I'd say it's either the article on the war, like what, uh... I think it'd be the article on uh, Putin. Uh, Putin refusing to negotiate. Uh, ending the war in uh, the Qatar. Uh, was the 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 workers in Qatar and how they got screwed over uh, for. Uh, in building the uh, stadium for the World Cup things, I'd probably go with the, the workers in Qatar. I think that was the most important thing we, we went through on, on the uh, in this in the show. Uh, Unless there's something else you can think of that we missed, but I think pretty much everything else we read wasn't really that important. Yeah, I'd say the Qatar one. Okay. Welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order Show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. And I'm Kyle Chaos.
Um, what are we doing right now? Are we doing the... Uh, oh, true. Our, okay. So tune in next time when we hear more about how we're being screwed with and how we're trying to stop ourselves from being screwed with. Um, trying to think if there was anything really about us uh, stopping ourselves from being screwed with this time. Not that uh, I could think of. What is it? Not that I could think of. You know, so today was another day where we pretty much talked about how we're being screwed with and uh, looking for good stories on NPR, which since it's a weekend, NPR wasn't doing as many good stories. But because, uh, yeah, it's already Friday night. So starting around Friday night, the uh, stories on NPR's uh, website get a lot more uh, uh, public interesty. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. All right, get out of here, you hippies. Well, this hippie is exiting the facility of uh, the, uh, what is it, uh, of the, uh, of the, uh, discarnate state. Discarnate state in <laughs> Dayton, Ohio, and, uh, in uh, uh, Silmar, California, and just slow on the coming up with what I'm saying. So I'm just thinking of how hard it's going to be to charge the phone if I don't try to do it now, <laughs> or to turn on the phone if it, the battery runs out. So the way this, how bad this plug is. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, I'll talk to you later. Okay, talk to you then. Please, Audi. Peace, Audi.